Welcome to the RVA Returners Podcast, your weekly source for all things Final Fantasy TCG. Yeah, man, I definitely appreciate you uh, giving me the starter deck, by the way. We still haven't gotten them in, which is wild. Yeah, I mean, I think they're just hard to find in general, it seems like. Yeah, and ter- turns out you can win uh, You can like win a legit event with this one, and I guess you can finish second in a Japanese event with one. But with that being said, Adam, we are back. Welcome again to the next episode of the RVA Returners Podcast. I'm so out of touch because it's been, you know, we missed a week, and I hate missing stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's okay to take breaks sometimes, but this well, isn't going to be a thing we do remotely no, often. Not in this house. So. Not in this house. Guys, as always, I'm your host, Chris Adams, and with me, through the, the power of the internet, my co-host, Adam Lane. Adam, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Yeah, we're a little late this week, obviously. You know, we were down there for the Tampa, the Fire Crystal Cup. So, you know, if you haven't, if you weren't there, or if you haven't checked out the VOD, or, you know, maybe you're waiting for it to be uploaded onto the Square YouTube, um, if you haven't seen it yet, you missed out on a great event, great weekend. Uh, We'll talk more about that. You know, we're just tired. You know, we just got back last night. It was a long car trip, taking turns driving, everybody sleeping. But, you know, that's just the kind of things that happen. Now, Adam, you know, it's been a while. You know, the TV's been turned off. You know, I, I like to know where I can find all the information I need about, you know, what's happened in the last couple weeks in the community. Um, do you know of such a place? I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here on Google. I'm getting ready to type something in. I don't really know where to look for, for all this, this information. Is there a hub of sorts? Is there somewhere I can go? Adam, tell me. Tell me. I don't know, man. I don't know. Facebook? Ooh, man, maybe, maybe. Um, but, you know, you know, actually, something pops up here. It's the news. All right, so kind of headlines over the last couple weeks. Like I said, we, we, uh, we're a little bit behind as far as that goes. But, you know, for those who saw last week, they did reveal – what our LQ trophies are going to look like. And boy, howdy, do they look great. I'm a huge fan of that Decidia circle. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I think it looks pretty sweet. I'm, I'm a little bit more partial than Minfilia art myself, but I think both mm-hmm. trophies are pretty sweet in their own right. I definitely want to try to win one. So. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I definitely want to see if I can finish better than second place at one of those this year. Um, that would be fantastic. Um, yeah, I think they're great. Um, I think the ones they've got over in Japan are great as well. The uh, the Bart's trophies and the Noctis trophies for the Masters event they they've really taken it to another level on these things, and they're just they're just very appealing shelf pieces. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, and that's not the only thing we saw. Uh, you know, I'm sure everybody's seen it by now, but the um, the World Champions promo has been revealed, and I love absolutely love the fact that it's got his uh, his name on it and like you know 28 2018 world champion you know alex hancocks i think that's really really cool that they did that yeah i definitely want to try to get my hands on three of them it's going to be hard i think the, the promos are becoming a bit a lot more sought after which is a good thing right yeah i mean well the price no, is going to go, go up ahead. because of that but like we're getting more quality promos sure we're getting less foils but you have to like they're they're being earned right like you gotta, you gotta earn them. And if you don't want to earn them and you want to pay, then you're gonna have to pay that that higher dollar fee, you know? Right, because you know it turns out when you're in a card game, if you want special like tournament only promos, you have to play in a tournament. And if you want the foil one, you gotta win it. Mm-hmm. You know, like that. You know, here's the thing. I get it. Collectors want to collect, and haters are gonna hate. But here's the thing. If 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 I win a, 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 an event where these promos are being given out, I think I've earned that foil. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and, and that's the whole point. Yeah. And if a collector like, wants that that so bad, then spend your spend twenty to twenty five dollars on one yeah. foil of that card. I mean, that's just how it's going to be. And, yeah. and if and if me as a if me as a player can only win two, and I want want that playset, then I'm going to have to suck it up and spend twenty 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 five dollars on a foil one to get that third one. It's just out, you know. The, and it, yeah. I shouldn't be mad at the other people selling it for twenty twenty five dollars because they also earned it too, right? And I shouldn't also be mad that if we have you know if we have enough in the, the kits that are sent us to have a playset and someone else wins one, you know, hey, they earned it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's good. I like the fact that the promos, like the cards we're getting on these promos, is just getting better. Obviously, Cognazo is this month, Alua's next month, and then we got the Bart's promo. Like, not only are these good cards, like these are staple cards we're getting. Yeah, they're all great. 
So it's absolutely fantastic. I, big big tip of the hat to them for you know really up in the promo game, like really really beautiful choices. Yep. Um. So that we got that, and then there's been some events over across the pond. Uh, I know there were a few master. There's been what two masters events over in Japan. Uh yeah, one last week and then one at the same time as ta- this. This actual past week was pretty loaded with events. So yeah, one. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. Yeah, the weekend was stacked. Yeah, one, but, uh, we'll, one a week ago and then one this past weekend. Yeah, so we'll go further back on this one. The top eight was pretty interesting. This one had um, it had a little bit of everything. It had Mono Earth, it had Mono Water, it had Wind uh, Wind Earth, which actually won the event. It was won by I think first and second place were both Earth Wind Orianje decks. Is that correct? I know the first place was, was I can't remember if the second one was just Earth Wind, mm-hmm. or if it had. And I know top, Mono Earth was in top four. I believe Mono Earth was third. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, um, turns out that deck still has a lot of legs, and I mean, I want to say I, I don't have the list in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it ran a copy of Veritas. I believe it had one copy in it. Yeah. Which is fine in that deck because you can search it off the Camelot and you have ways to recur it and things like that. You know, with in, in that deck because you have Minfilia, you've got Minor, um, you've got a Pooparoo, which I think the deck is running as well. Um, you know, and you got Camelot to search it out if need be. So like, it's got it, it can run one and be fine. And I believe I believe if I'm not mistaken, every deck in top four had Veritas in it. So that, we might be foreshadowing to the main topic later, but yeah, we'll get to that. I, I want to say this is the event that had the Mono Earth. With the magic pot in it, it was, yeah, that it, it was, it was that was the that was the top four mountain worthless, which I actually really like that list a lot. Yeah, it's, it's pretty strong. Yeah, I agree with that. So it's a really good event there, and then the second Masters that they had that kind of were kind of I guess now we're now we're caught up. That was the news from last week that you would have gotten, you know, had I not been in New Orleans making mistakes with Stephen Arboleta. Um, and that that's a whole other story for a whole other podcast, or you know maybe for a tales from the Velt session. But we'll get to that. Um, so now we're caught up. This week uh, they were loaded with events, loaded, and we'll start with another Masters event that was won by this really, really, uh, really cheeky looking uh, Light Una Mill, I believe is what it was called, Adam. I, I, that might have been the name of it. It was it was three colors, well four if you count light, but it was as ice oh, wind, awesome. as ice wind and earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting. I haven't tried it yet. I want to try it because maybe I'm missing something. Because on paper, to me, it doesn't look that great. Like, I feel like there are other things I'd rather play. Um, but I mean, it won an event, so it can't be so bad. Yeah, um, and, and what and what uh, what finished second in that event? It was it was essentially an upgraded version of the starter deck from the uh, heroes and villains. Uh, it was mm-hmm. fire wind with a, a heavy like warriors of light package. Mm-hmm. And it ran some chocobos in it. Nice, um, nice. But yeah, it was. It basically looked like a an evolved form of that half of the starter deck. Interesting. And you know that 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 kind of says something, man. I, I will definitely say, you know, when we kind of touched on it earlier, you know, I guess that while we were just kind of rambling on, uh, turns out the starter product they make is actually super super playable in many cases. So that should tell you something there. Uh, but one thing I believe I don't believe just to double check, uh, you know, I actually got the list pulled up in front of me. I don't think there, you know, because it was dedicated to Yuna, there was no Veritas in this list. Yeah, I don't. I don't think either either deck had Veritas in it. So yeah, that's fine. Turns out you can't play Veritas if you're running light cards, or if you don't, if your opponent's milling you and you can't have the cards in hand to play it. Uh, well, yeah, I guess you probably will still eventually get to play it. But yeah, I mean, maybe maybe the mill is like a pretty good strategy against that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, but you know, I, I would I would have liked to. I want to see more details on that, but I don't think we've seen too terribly much beyond that. Like the, those couple deck lists, anyway. Yeah, I think I, I saw three deck lists from that event. Um, one of them was the Mono Water Veritas, mm-hmm. and uh, this was the top two. So yeah, well, there it is. But uh, you know, speaking of mono decks, you know, doing well. Um, in the uh, Gent Grand Open, there was um, a Mono Water. Uh, I believe that it was called Mono Water Veritas. You mean Mono Wind? Yeah, sorry, Mono Wind Veritas, yeah. yeah. But it still ran the, the Crystal Chronicles package, so he was running Yuri and Veritas. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it shows the power of the card, which we'll probably get into more um, in this mm-hmm. cast. Uh, yeah, I mean, Veritas is a card. It's really good. <laughs> Turns out. Yeah. But also, too, like, the fact that 
the fact that the deck still ran the full-on Crystal Chronicles package. Now, it was missing a few things. Um, like, it it didn't have any Zidanes in the list. Um, it favored, like, Barbarisha and, like, Shara combos. Um, it didn't have... It, it was just... It was a very... I don't want to say straightforward, but it had a lot of interesting card choices in there. Um, I felt like it was teched for a meta with Veritas, but yet it also, like... Still was able to, it just just had a lot of really neat tricks. Um, and by that I mean, you know, like I said, just using Shara for a lot of things, and then just having that Moogle to keep card uh, card draw. But if I were, and this is me just kind of critiquing, because um, clearly the deck is good. Because you know, not only did he win, he had to beat Robert Phillips in the final set, who um, who was all was playing, uh, I believe, Wind Water, or, sorry, Wind Earth Arianje. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So like I actually want to sleeve that deck up and give it a try. I know uh, he's already said he's taken the the guy who won. I apologize. I don't know his name. And you know if you're listening, I'm the worst. I apologize. Um, he said Death Gaze is coming out immediately, mm-hmm. and Zidane will probably be going in. Okay. So and the the three CP one, uh, yeah, the, the good one, the Thought Seize one. Ah, uh, they're both good. But well, yeah, I agree. With that. But I mean, yeah, I, I prefer the three CP most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really neat. Um, and then you know. The last bit of news, you know, there was another event going on. You know, maybe you tuned in, maybe you heard of it. It was it was the Fire Crystal Cup, uh, North America's first Crystal Cup that was won by a friend of this cast and, you know, just a great human being and player in general, and that's Colin Rupert. Uh, so just a big, 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 big congratulations to him. I know he, you know, he's been grinding all last season, you know, he really worked hard. Like last season, he grinded just super, super hard, puts in the time, puts in the hours, has been doing so up to this point. So I, I just can't congratulate the man enough. He did a fantastic job and check out his, uh, you know, check out his interview at the end of the, uh, of the event on our stream, which by the way, Adam, I think we did a fantastic job. Yeah. I think, you know, I, not, I'm proud of what we did. I'm very, proud. I am too, man. I'm not one to toot horns or anything like that. But I think it was a great time, Adam. Let's you know, we're going to dive in. Let's go ahead and unpack this thing. Tell me, just tell me your experience, man. Just tell me what you thought of the event overall from from uh you know from the competition side, from the behind the scenes side. Just overall, I think it was just a fantastic event from top to bottom. And just you know, talk talk to me, Goose. Tell me what's going on. Yeah. So I'll actually I'll start like a, a little bit before the event. Uh, so mm-hmm. like I guess about like a week before, not quite a week, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I saw some results out of Japan. It wasn't a Masters tournament or anything. Uh, it was, but it was a pretty large Japan tournament. And forgive me, I don't really remember the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was loaded with like mono water lists that had two and three Veritas in the them. Malaysia event, I believe. Okay, um, and like I started looking at the list, and Veritas was a card that, admittedly, I severely underrated. Right. Oh shit, um, me too. And I, I, I came around on it. I'd say about a week and a half, two weeks ago, uh, when I realized that the card is is very dumb, uh, very very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I saw this, uh, I, I still wasn't playing him at the time. I was still trying to build stuff around like the Warrior of Light and all that stuff. And uh, and that's what I made my video on that I was gonna take to uh to Tampa. And uh, I definitely lied. Uh, I would have not taken that. Um. And I, I would have had that sleeved up, but it definitely 100% would have been what I played. Uh, mm-hmm. I was already looking at these Veritas lists, and I've been playing them on the Octagon Open. Uh, that's what I've been playing since I saw that list, and I haven't mm-hmm. lost with it yet. Um, so it, it's it's been really, really, really good. And it just does things, I feel like, for that archetype that aren't fair. But we'll get into that more about that later. But uh, yeah. So that coming into that event, we were streaming, and a lot of people were asking us like what we thought was going to win. And, uh, and I know... like. You were still saying mono lightning, but you were also on also on mono water at the, because you had played against me and you had played mm-hmm. against Adam Duncan, who was playing a version of that list when we were testing him the night before, mm-hmm. um, and you were start and we were starting to see like how dumb it really was, and so yeah. like, you know, we sat down. Oh, we, mono we, lightning came close though, so I've actually crossed that off my prediction list because I was wrong, but boy, it came close. It was top eight, I believe. I believe Azul made top eight. Azul was in top eight, yeah. So yeah. It, it was fairly close. Um, and there was a quite there's a some other ones in the top thirty two as well, mm-hmm. uh, but Veritas the way the way I wanted to get to was Veritas was a card we knew before we even stepped on the microphone that that thing was going to be probably the most played card of the weekend 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember even telling everyone Friday night, like, buy them now because I promise you, promise you they will go up in the secondary market. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, once we sat down, we set all our stream stuff up. It was a bit of a headache. We had the, we had the whole Sword of the Stone moment where, like, let's try to set the camera up and no one could unscrew the camera to tighten it. So we kind of had to tilt one camera in, and that suffered a little bit. Uh, but I, I feel like, you know, it was fine. People could still understand what was going on on the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had a few hiccups throughout the weekend, but uh, I'm still really proud of what we did. Uh, you know, and, and those are things we'll 100% fix going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like, from an entertainment perspective, I feel like we knocked it out the park. Right. No, absolutely. I, I 100% think we did because, you know, it, it's just something that we, you know, A, when we were you know, kind of given the opportunity to do this, you know, we definitely wanted to make sure that we didn't let anybody down. You know, people have been watching our streams. You know, we do our soldier series monthly, which will be coming back next month, by the way, as you know, that's a little piece of news we can interject in May 11th, I believe May 11th will be our next soldier series event. We probably won't be streaming it so we can actually play in it this time. Yeah. There's also, I think a crystal cup that day. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And we we don't want to compete with that. Yep. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll let people watch the, the big event and we'll play our side event while we watch it as well. But yeah. Um, you know, so we had the opportunity to do this and, you know, the petite cup, uh, that we had in Richmond was kind of our test. And I think, you know, that went over very well. And so we got here to this shop and, you know, we didn't really know much about sunshine games other than what we had heard from like, you know, the locals, you know, like Andy Carmona, Sam prime, you know, those guys. And, we get to the shop, and uh, before I say any more, I want to give a huge shout-out to the, that staff in that shop. They did a fantastic job really getting everything organized, kind of reeling everything in. They were super hospitable, super personable, super, super nice. So, you know, if you listen to this and you live in that area, you know, Sunshine Games is an absolutely fantastic store. Also, the fact that it was – I could literally walk outside the front door of the hotel – and toss a football to the front door. And yep. usually when people say that, they're being facetious. No, no, you could literally throw a football mm-hmm. from there. And I could tell Adam to go long and just give him a toss, and he'd be right there at the store. Yeah, it was it was like was literally a 30-second, like not even 30-second, like a 10-second walk. Yeah, which yeah. was fantastic. So I just run back in the hotel, get coffee between rounds, things like that. It was really, really cool. But, um. Yeah, the fact that we got the opportunity to do this and everything, you know, and the fact that we had a constant what hundred plus in the stream like the whole time. I checked it today. We ca- uh, our high, our max concurrent viewers was one hundred and seventy five. That's awesome. And we averaged one hundred and thirty viewers throughout both streams at a time. How, how, how sick is that? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I felt pretty good about it. Yeah, and you know, and I think as a crew, because it wasn't just myself and Adam, we had our, you know, the rest of our returners ilk, you know, Adam Duncan and Austin Archer, who, you know, to be honest, if you're running, if you want to run a quality stream operation like that, you need a crew. Yep. You know, and the fact that, you know, all four of us were there, you know, that way we could, A, you know, because we learned quickly from the very first Petite Cup when Matt Rice and I tried to Iron Man the commentary booth, you can't do it. It is, it's tough. You're just beat down by the end of the day. So having another crew to go in there and kind of, you know, kind of take the load off really, really helped. Like, you know, that way we, we could have somebody, you know, kind of doing, being like a runner essentially, like for the first half, Adam Duncan was getting deck lists for us and uh, making sure that, you know, the match started when the stream was set up because we wanted to make sure we had everybody's name and everything positioned the round, the timer, and we wanted everything to be right on par with what was going on. So for the first half, Adam was kind of the runner, which truth be told, that was the best seat in the house from what, you know, from what Adam was saying, because mm. that's where, you know, that you're right there near all the top tables. So you can just kind of look around while you're hanging out up there and just see all these great matches going on. And then, you know, after, well, there were seven rounds on day one. So after the fourth round, we switched commentary teams. Adam and I kind of kicked off the event. You know, we were, you know, we were just kind of, you know, shooting the breeze with everybody, just having a great time. And then. For rounds five through seven, we had Adam and Adam Duncan and Austin uh, come on and just really call the shots there. You know, finishing off day one, you know, kind of kind of playing us off. And we also had a, a special guest appearance by none other than the American Muscle, <laughs> who you know, longtime listener, longtime friend of the podcast. Um, here he's really good friends with Irvin Diaz. Yeah, it was pretty pretty awesome. I think it was a pretty sweet way to end the stream on day one and announce the top cut. Uh, and it was a fun way to do it. I feel like we had fun with it, and that's probably my favorite part. Like, not only did we do 
well, and I feel like we did a good job of commentating and stuff. Uh, but it was, we also had fun at the same time. So. Absolutely, and, and entertainment is like that's you, you don't turn in, you don't tune into the stream just to kind of just see something stodgy, right? Like obviously you're interested in what's being streamed, but like you know you want to have fun, and I think this community is really good at having fun. So the fact that you know we got the player interviews over, and you know I, I, between each round we got the stream winner on there. Um, so you know we went through some things you know, with each round, and then um, again we had Adam Duncan. The reason we had Adam Duncan doing all the player interviews was because you know he was just rocking the blazer. You know he had the blazer with the cactar pin. It was like you know you look like you're just ready to you know like you're down there on the sidelines or right there right there you know on the you know at at half court ready to just interview Steph Curry. <laughs> so we had him do all that. And then on day two, we had them start off and do top 32 and top 16. And then you and I jumped back on to bring us home. Um, I'll say this too, man. Um, you know, I guess I don't want, let's not put the cart, let's not jump ahead, put the cart before the horse. Let's talk about day one. Adam, day one, what did you think of the level of competition? Um, so on stream, the first two rounds were a little bit hard to watch. There were, there were people were getting some kinks out of their system, there was a pretty good amount of misplays. Mm-hmm. Um, but after round two, everything kind of kicked into gear, and mm-hmm. uh, you started seeing super, super high like quality play. Uh, the mm-hmm. mistakes went down a lot. Um, you had a lot of like like higher like high, like bigger names in the community, like Okimoto, like Carmona, like Sam Prime, like Hunter Nance get on stream, and we started seeing like some really explosive back and forth matches. Mm-hmm. Um, we did get to see awesome. the old Layak double card draw from Okimoto. You know, you know, I had to throw some shade at you. Yeah, he immediately called the judge on himself. Uh, mm-hmm. Honorable man. Uh, he, you know, it was, a, it, was, it was obviously an accident. He, uh, he accidentally drew two, and uh, he was playing against Andy, so Andy was like, you know, giving him uh, some shit for doing <laughs> uh-huh. it. Yeah, and and Okimoto's list was pretty sweet. It looked like it was firing all cylinders. He was on stream a few times and on the backup match uh, for a lot of time when he was on the stream. Uh, and yeah, that Earth Wind list looked really good. It was the same as Rob Phillips' list, I believe, card for card. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luminous Puma was putting in work. Uh, card's card, pretty okay. That's yeah. another card I've kind of underrated, but it's a great tech card. Like it's just a great one of for like later in the game. Yep, and we saw some a pretty good amount of mono lightning on stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw a pretty good amount of mono water on like well, not a good amount, but a few mono water decks on stream. But they were there, like we knew they were there. Oh yeah. Uh, Death Machine made a pretty strong appearance at the tournament mm-hmm. um which i kind of figured you know it would I, I knew some strong players would be on a deck around that card um yeah i mean yeah. I, it was a pretty sweet day one it was long and grueling for the players i'm sure mm-hmm. um but well, and, and yeah. not to mention that the room was full of killers right yeah i think like, i said on stream like it was probably the most competitive room i've ever looked at for this game yeah I, in, I in america in, in in america yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. Like, all the killers were there. And there were some killers who weren't there that I'm pretty sure that people, like, like you know, Brian Berkeley wasn't there. Um, you didn't have, like, Nick Chanel there. And you know, the, the Jersey, Jersey boys weren't there. Like, there were some really strong players that weren't in the room. And you have to be breathing a sigh of relief when you see some of these, you know, these really these better players just not not be at these events. Because you're like, oh, man, that's one less killer I have to sit sit across from. And... You know the fact that you know the fact that it was a top thirty-two cut and it was still a like, tiebreakers. Those were like we're talking like super super tight. Like you could you could wrap the the stand the final standings. You could wrap that around a piece of coal and you'd end up with a diamond at the end. Those those tiebreakers were so tight. Yeah, there was a there was a few few big names that bubbled or made or were X and four. Yeah. So it's true. Like my, uh, and um, even some of the guys that ended up X and three didn't make it. Like it was just, it was just from top to bottom, a very, very stacked event. And then, uh, you know, day two came and, you know, what am I trying to say here? Like the emotion in the room. Oh yeah. I, I, I think, I, I think it's all time high. I'll go as far to say, I didn't even see this. Like maybe it just wasn't on stream. I'm sure like Alex cried when he won worlds. Like I I don't like I, I don't remember seeing it on stream though. Mm-hmm. But like there was so much emotion from the players that were like getting further into the tournament and qualifying mm-hmm. players that grinded really hard last year that didn't mm-hmm. quite make it but they were really close and now they're finally yeah. getting to the point where like that's what they they're, they're already there where they wanted to be at this first mm-hmm. event. Um like and, Greg, Greg Cole's the perfect example of that yeah. just to start to start kind of work our way up. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, Greg, Greg's had a a tough road last year. I mean, he's a he's a great player, and he mm-hmm. and he's in a very hard like California is not the easiest place to play, right? Not the easiest place to qualify from. Exactly. And and he traveled a lot. He grinded a lot, and he got really close a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just never quite quite made it. He was trying to get his Nats invite, um, and he always seemed to either be on the bubble or just like right behind where he needed to be to get that qualification. And then to see him come to his first event this year, get top four, get his Nats invite. I mean, of course you're going to be emotional, right? Dude, you know? and he was, you know, he was, you know, two games away from being on the world's team. So yeah. it's just like, you know, and you know, to kind of touch base, you know, to kind of touch on that, man. Yeah, you're right. Like, you know, as, as someone who kind of went through the exact same thing as him last year, I know what that's like. It's frustrating. It is a frustration that just eats you to the core, especially when like. You know, it's a couple things, right? Like you're a name, so you know people sit across from you and they're like, "Oh man, this guy, this guy's good." Like this, this guy knows what's up. But then, like, to not be good enough, you know what I mean? Like, you know, again, not not to not to make this about you know, it's not about me. I'm just just kind of putting it in perspective. You need to win an event, you finish second. Yep. You need to top four an event, you finish top eight. You need to you just everything, everything. It, it's hard. It's hard to get these qualification spots because you have such so many good players, and to get there and to fall short hurts. Oh yeah, for sure. The fact that Greg came out, he's been playing the, the deck. He played that Scions list. He's been playing it. He's been fine tuning it. He's been testing it, and his top eight match against Sam Prime was. I, I don't. I don't think there was a moment where Sam was in the game. Oh well, for I mean. It was a clinic for Scions for sure. Oh, it and, was, and also a terrible matchup for Sam. Like, yeah, which hurt. Which know. really, really hurt. I don't think Sam probably could have ran into a worse matchup in top eight for his deck. Yeah, no, I agree, and that's it. Was funny, you know, on the Choker Bros cast before Tampa, that was one of the things they said: Scions turning sideways. It was, yeah. and, I mean, Greg, ironic and unfortunate. Yeah, and Greg knows how to play that deck. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I like told all of his lines were crisp. Yeah, every I, single. I told a bunch of people at the event. I was like, I don't think I've seen Greg play a different. Like archetype since Boston. Mm-hmm. You know? No, it's true. And the fact that when he made top four and he came down, like he, he, the dude was all emotion, all emotion. And when he, um, when he sat down and we, you know, I urge everybody to go back and like just watch his, you know, his player interview on stream, man. Dude, there wasn't a dry eye in the room, nope. especially if you kind of followed his story and kind of followed his journey to where he was at, man. Like, dude, dude earned every bit of it. And the fact that you know. He he did it now. Now he's done it so quick. Now he can now he can just kind of chill and prepare and help his teammates test and help get his teammates to the next level. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. So he just just a just a fantastic job. And then you know and then obviously you know it kind of fell short the next match. But man, like he he's 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 on the national stage now. I, like I even said, I, I I think if he I don't think the world would have been ready for his speech if he'd have made worlds. Oh, I mean, the stream, I think the stream it probably just crashes. Into, yeah. Oh, man, it would have just been a Kleenex fest yeah. had he made Worlds. I mean, it already was. Like, we'll, we'll talk oh, about it in a second, but it was. So Yeah, not a dry eye in the room, that's yeah. for sure. But, you know, we didn't stop there, Adam. Not only did Greg Cole make it in the top four, we also had some, you know, the, the top eight. The top eight was very, very diverse for the most part. Um, we had, you know... I'm actually, I'm actually going to go ahead and pull up those top eight lists, unless you're quick on the draw and you've got them up there already. I don't have them on me. Well, guess what? We gonna because you know you had guys, you know you had guys like Alejandro playing um, a, the, essentially the Final Fantasy VII starter deck. You know, with you know obviously with some of the older cards like your Zangans and your Tifas, which we knew was going to be a thing. But also that uh, that I want to say that makes one of your predictions wrong as well. Oh no, I said it wasn't going to win. Yeah. Well, no, I think you. Uh, I think you said the the the. Oh, I I, I said yeah. I did say the Rufus build was uh was gonna be end up being at the end of the meta was gonna end up being the best Final Fantasy. Okay, then you got time. Okay, you but, got time. You but got time. but yeah, it, I, I probably will get proved wrong because the more I've played it, it probably is Fire Earth. But um, because mm-hmm. Barrett's nuts. But yeah, as far I thought you were talking about the Fire prediction. The Fire prediction, I said it wasn't gonna win. But yeah. No. Yeah. Well, it definitely didn't. It definitely did not. But uh, as far as the top eight goes, the breakdown was you had Earth Wind. Water Earth, uh, Mono Lightning, um, Earth Fire, and then you had um, Scions, and then you had 
Hunter Nance on like a death machine control deck, which is uh, I want to say it was Earth Lightning. It was Earth Lightning. And then, yeah, and and then you had two mono water decks. Mm-hmm. So one, two, three, four. You know, six different archetypes in the top eight. So you know that's really really solid. Yeah, I mean that's just a. It's, this game's always like that, right? Like, I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever seen a top eight where more than like three or four of the decks are the same, like the same archetype. And that's even still a lot. Most of the time, it's like two. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of no, like how absolutely. this was. So absolutely. And then, you know, our finals was Alan Shu, a Michigan player who had a great weekend of cards. I want to say, um, no, let me back up a little bit. So it was a top thirty-two cut this time. This season, it's top thirty-two cuts because some of them are going to have draft, and you need that type of cut for you know the pods and things like that. So. Top 32 was the cut, and, you know, you had players that, you know, the fact that there was a top 32 cut, had it been last season, some of these guys wouldn't have made it into the cut because mm-hmm. normally it was a bit, it would have been a top 16. Yep. Which is, you know, that'll kind of lead me to another point. Colin Rupert, our champion, who our winner, was the 32 seat going into – Going into day two. Yeah, and I think I mentioned that on the cast last time, too. I was like, wouldn't yeah. it be crazy if the 32 beats the one and then goes on to win the entire tournament? It, and sure as shit, that's, you know, as, as the sun will come up tomorrow, that's exactly what happened. I, I mean, that's a dangerous 32 seed, though. Like, Oh, yeah, no I shit. I told Sam, the- like, as soon as Sam got, Sam Tool was the number one seed coming out of Swiss, mm-hmm. and I did, day one before Sam Tool left, I said, man, I was like, that is the roughest one versus 32 I've seen in any sporting event ever. Like, yeah, dude, that, that's like a that's like a a, a, a finals caliber matchup. Yeah, it, it, like, and I, you know, it's like I was like, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for, and of course, like Colin ends up beating Sam for sure. But that that match actually, go back and watch that on stream. That might have been my favorite set from mm-hmm. all of the top cut that we got to like, watch. It's, on it's stream. just a clinic on clean play. You know what I mean? Both players super clean. Sam Tool, yeah, like, Sam Tool's probably the cleanest player I've seen play this mm-hmm. game, and that's not saying. There aren't other clean players, but Sam announces all his triggers. Sam yep. clearly pays for all his cards. Like, just mm-hmm. the way Sam passes the turns, the way mm-hmm. you know, Sam moves through phases. He's easily the cleanest player I've ever played. Um, mm-hmm. And it's always a pleasure to play against Sam. Great human being. Great human being. And so and then, so, you know, the journey kind of continues. And, um, you know, another another the guy who was in uh, finals against Colin was Alan Shu, who just had a great weekend of cards all across the board. I want to say he was like the third or the he was like the third or the sixth seed going into day two. Like he just had a monster day of cards. I think he finished X one. He did. Yeah, he he was he would have made top eight if it had been a top eight cut. I'm yeah, pretty actually, sure. no, I take that back. He was three because um, I want to say our very own Colin Coughlin from RVA. He was like was Col- number six. Uh, I think Colin was higher than that, but it's close. It was one of those. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. In there. So, and again, you know, we're, we're just kind of rambling about this event because it was so great. But I, I do want to take another quick stop to shout out, you know, just RVA. You know, normally up to this point, it really only been, you know, outside of Toronto. You know, me and Adam, you, you and I were the only ones who, you know, from RVA, who had traveled out to events, like major events. Mm. So this year to get, you know, Colin, Ron, Top 8, Johnny, and Sarah, to get them to come and travel. And... You know, Colin and Ron had a great day. I, I'm gonna tell you right now, if Sarah, if if Sarah knew like what the uh, like more about like what the other decks did, mm. she'd have gone X one just straight up. Yeah. And because it was you know when she was playing the Fire Ice deck, she knew what to do. She knew when to do stuff. She just didn't know what to do the what to do it to. If that makes sense. Yeah, I felt like she was playing a little scared. Honestly. Oh, extremely, extremely. But you know, that's how you learn. Like, I think she improved a thousand percent over the weekend. Um, top eight, Johnny. I didn't really see much of him this weekend. I think he finished three and four. Um, yeah, something like really, I don't. He said he said he was having a tough time. His deck wasn't drawn as well as it, it normally was, uh, and, and that could happen. You know, so it happens sometimes. You brick. But uh, I know Colin. Uh, Colin Coughlin finished X one, and mm-hmm. Ron Esqueta finished X two. Uh, Colin Coughlin on Mono Water. Uh, Ron on ice earth uh both of them had great weekends of cards you know and both of them you know i want to say colin made it all he won his first match made it to top 16 against the zool and you know if he'd have beat a zool he'd have been he'd have been in top eight 
Yeah, he was really close, and he, he was also on Mono Water Veritas as well. And I, I had uh, we had kind of talked about that night before because I think he was in between Mono Lightning and Mono Water, mm-hmm. and uh, and I mean I think he had already kind of planned to play Mono Water anyways, but I, I kind of like pushed him in that direction as well. Yeah, and it was so. the right call, one hundred percent the right call. They both had great days of cards. Yeah, and Ron, but, uh, Ron's always used to ice, so of course Ron's going to be on some kind of ice variant. Yeah. So and you know he, him and Jim Doolittle had a great set. I would have liked to have watched that one. Uh, they went all three games and. He just he just hit like the double fam frit right there on Golbez with like the Luna Freya trigger and it was just like well you don't beat that yeah we we we've all ran into the Golbez bulldozer sometimes yeah, yeah absolutely and you know and then you know I guess where I was going with all that you know before I you know go on the tangents and the shoutouts um a uh, great Michigan player Alan Shue um he had a great day of cards all weekend long like he just and then the fact that he played in the finals against Colin Rupert you know Colin Rupert just really clawing his way up from the bottom seeds. Um, you know, had to not only did he have to beat Sam Tool in top sixteen, I believe he had to play against Jim Doolittle. Jim Doolittle. Yep. Then he had to play against Hunter Nance. Yep. Then he had to play against you know Alan Shue there in the finals. Amir and mirrors are hard to play in this game, but you know, getting there and like I want to say. Like I, I wish I would have seen more of the matchup between him and Hunter. It looks like that was going at game one. It looks like you know Hunter just kind of ran away with it. Game two, Colin adjusted. Game three, um, it looks like Hunter was just like he just went wide, and Hunter was just searching for an answer and just didn't get it. Because I'll tell you what, when he did the Arisha for the arc or for the Ajito to play the arc, yeah, he Arisha to get the arc, played the Ajito, played the arc. I don't think I've ever seen a human being's hands move so fast in my life. Yeah, but uh, Colin played around that, actually. He sure did. And very, sure very, did. Yeah, very intelligently, he fanforted his own thing, uh, mm-hmm. forcing the Veritas to trigger. Uh, to, I think he, like, sacked. Yeah, because uh, Hunter had... Well, did Hunter have Veritas out? I don't remember. But basically, he made it so where Hunter drew, like, three less cards. Off Which is huge. Which was um, huge because so. he was digging for something, and he just, you know, it would have been, it would have felt even worse if it was in like those next couple cards that really were critical. Um, but yeah, but then Colin Rupert played against Alan Shue in a great set, like you know, and again, go back and watch it. Like it was a a, a clinic on how to play, you know, mono water. And you know what's rough is, you know, Alan stumbled in game one. He did. Well, like, he, he, he had a bad hand, honestly. Like it's oh hand yeah, absolutely. And that and that's when that deck has a bad hand, you. Uh, you, green light, like you've got to go. You've got to beat them before they recover. Because you know it's been like this since what Opus Two, Opus Three. When water gets to five backups, it's really, really hard for them to lose. Yeah, I'd say it's probably been that way since Opus Three. Um, yeah, and and it's really hard for that deck to brick from experience. Like mm-hmm. it just has so many early game lines, and then it just wants to get to late game. It doesn't care how it gets there. That's just mm-hmm. where it wants to be. Um, so I mean, even yeah, the first you just game, have to have a clump, like a yeah. bad clump of junk. Yeah, and even the first game like ended up not being like super stompy. Like it was pretty mm-hmm. close. Uh, I do, I do think in the set overall, the uh, like Colin's experience on the deck showed. Uh, oh, for sure, one hundred percent. And I think it mattered a lot. Like I think, I think he took lines that a lot of other people wouldn't have seen in order to get to the place where he was and played very intelligently. I mean, he grinded all the way through the top thirty-two. For sure. Yeah, not, yeah. not that Alan didn't. Alan did as well, for sure. Because mm. uh, Mono Water is just a grindy deck. It just is. It plays a long game. And I think both players made the 100% made the correct call on what deck to bring. I think that mm-hmm. currently, in my opinion, is the best deck to play. Uh, not that nothing else can win. I mean, for sure, yeah. that's not the case. That deck is just really, really good and does some unfair things. And Veritas kind of hides weaknesses that Water typically has. Yep, and... You know, and that's what we'll talk. And that's you know, we'll we'll segue into that here shortly. But you know, go back and watch the VOD. It was a great finals. Like, and it was just, you know, and then in game three, like there was that moment when you're like, oh my god, Colin's gonna win this. Yep. Yeah. The minute the minute that scholar resolved, it's like the game's over. That's it. Yep. Yep. And and just again, going back to those emotions. Here's another one. Here's another individual that has just really busted his ass. Like, you know, yeah, he made it to Nats. Yeah, he's done well at Crystal Cups, but he, it wasn't enough. Like, he just wants to keep getting better and yeah. better. And he was and he really, wanted to be on Worlds. He, yeah, he, he, well, he was close to making yeah, it to really, Worlds last year. Really close. He? Yeah, really close. And, like, this year, it just the, the fact that it happened early, like, he needed a minute to, like, 
just really like you know get his emotions together, man. Because he was another one, man, that was all tears when he won. Like the the goal, the grind, like he got it. he got what he was looking for, and he did it as like you know he got it again. It goes back to those tiebreakers, man. Like you know, it, like if he had taken one more point of damage at some point during that tournament, he probably doesn't make that seed. Yeah, it's close. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's so wild to think about. But he not only does he get there, he gets to the top. And the fact that, like, you know, it, it just, you know, and just listening to him talk when we were talking about the matchups, like, he just, he knows how to navigate around this game. And I think that's a that, that's something that is going to be just super, super important to the North American team. I think, I think you can take a guy like Colin Rupert, throw him in there with your, you know, your Hunter Nances, your Jordan Danks, your Okimotos, and really really create this super super cohesive you know really go through the numbers kind of team you know what i mean oh yeah i mean he's, he's gonna be a big part of that team yeah yeah i i agree with that 100 percent. i i i've told i've told him this personally and i said it on the stream as well like i think he brings a level of work ethic to the north american team that's really going to help get them over the top and he won't be afraid to try other things and he'll put he'll put in the you know, the 40 hours a week on Octagon on top of, you know, his normal life because, you know, it's something he wants it. Yeah, and I and, hope I hope this doesn't mean that we won't see him at other Crystal Cups. I hope he actually continues to come to the ones oh, that he absolutely. can, obviously, because um, mm-hmm. I, I still want to see him play. I still enjoy seeing him play, and I, and I enjoy playing against him too. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and right now he, he's, the guy, he's the guy to beat. Like he, in North America, when you see a tournament and you see Colin Rupert show up, he's the guy to beat, yep. which is funny because, like, I'm sure right now as they hear this, uh, his locals are like, what? This guy, we beat his ass every week. <laughs> you know? But, like, the fact that, you know, he's made it there. He he brings a really strong work ethic. He, really clean play as well. Like, he knows what he's doing. And he's also, it turns out he's also a terrific human being as well. So, you know, he, he's if you're looking to learn the game and you're, you know, you're around Gamers Heaven up there in Pennsylvania, man, you know, they got a great group up there, and I, I don't think we have a better representative for the North American Worlds team right now than Colin Rupert. So, big congrats to him. Yep. But I'm pretty sure if you look at, you know, there's there's a card that was in his deck. I'm pretty sure if you take that helmet off, it's Colin Rupert <laughs> and everybody else in the community. So, the main topic today, Adam, I got I got a question for you. Is this is this Veritas's world and we're just living in it? Uh, right now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I don't think he's unbeatable or anything. He's definitely a really 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 strong card that I underrated severely. Um, Yo, you and me both, brother. Yeah, I mean, my like I said, my first opinion was that he was just more expensive than Galdus, and why wouldn't I just play Galdus for three? Mm-hmm. But the way he just affects the game, you just you just hold him until they play a forward, and then. You, you know, if you're a slower deck, you just drop them, and then you start playing your backups. Um, yeah. And then he just kind of becomes, like, this wall for you. And even if they kill him the turn after you play him, they're still going to lose something uh, more yeah. than likely. So, mm-hmm. I mean, unless they're starting to... But I think I do think you're going to see more counters now. Like, you're going to see people running cards like Fenrir. You're going to see people running cards like Unit Unified. 8. Yeah. Uh, you're going to see people playing cards like White Mage and stuff like that. It's like cards that just allow... don't. Like, don't allow him to get his second trigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, because his first trigger is ball-busting, too, but his second trigger is also ball-busting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also, when you become an, when you have this meta of Veritas, you get into this game of Veritas Chicken, where it's mm-hmm. like, you don't want to be the first person to drop it unless you absolutely have to. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think a big part, actually, of why Colin won as well is he had three Veritas, and um, Alan only had one. Mm-hmm. And I think that was actually a big part because Alan didn't see Veritas when he needed it in, in a couple of those games. Yep. Well, like, and not, and not to kind of just to go back, you know, to bring up that point, you know, Alan also did run a copy of Sin, which, man, if he could have gotten to Sin in that game three, we could be telling a different story today. But the fact that, you know, Colin was just able to value out, you know, just the, the Veritas value train that he was, you know, that he was riding all weekend was huge. Mm-hmm. So. And that speaks volumes of this card. So, Adam, you, you mentioned earlier that it kind of masks a weakness that water has. Yeah, I mean... Let's go, let's go ahead and dive into that a little bit more. Well, so in my opinion, Veritas uh, 
it's probably the best water card in Opus 8. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um... Leviathan's to... a very close second. Leviathan's but... really good, but I mean, obviously, I'm kidding, right? He's a dark card, but like, <laughs> he like, he he allows. So basically, for me, the ideal water turn one now is like two two CPs and pass. Mm-hmm. And if your opponent tries to go even remotely aggro, like not like if they have a bad hand, they're gonna get punished even worse. And so now, if they're playing like a turn one forward, or mm-hmm. even if you even if they play two two CPs and pass, you're still water, so you don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just hold Veritas for the, the second they play anything, and you play them, and you're like, deal with that while I play the rest of my five backups. And then once mm-hmm. they're at five, now you're dealing with Cognazzo, Nickel, and mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's a combination of all the cards, but Veritas allows them to get to that point without taking damage. Like, Fasoya used to do it, but he was mm-hmm. hitting you, he was hitting yourself so that you could stay on, ahead on board. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you don't even have to run Fasoya, you just play Veritas. And he kind of does similar stuff. Yeah, and it's also a card that when it dies, it it can just be crippling depending on the state on you know at the stage of the game, the board state. Like if you're playing against a deck that has stumbled at all at any point, like has missed a backup drop, doesn't have a lot of forwards out, that exit trigger is brutal, just absolutely brutal. Yeah, sometimes it can set you back like two turns, depending on oh, like, yeah. what, what he does. Uh, and then we're, on top of that, we're running him in a deck that has Fanford. So a lot of times, we're going to control when our Veritas dies. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really nutty. Uh, and then like, yeah, and then on top of that, just the late game power that Water mm-hmm. has with cards like uh, uh, Nickel, Cagnazzo, Scholar, and Cloud of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that like they have so much draw power, they're going to see their Veritases. And then after mm-hmm. you deal with the first one, God forbid, they play the second one. You know? Oh, yeah. And then you're going to run into lists like Colin that are running the full Monty. So, like, mm-hmm. you, you got to deal with that card. And then I, I'd say a, a, the second best deck with Veritas is probably Earthwind. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the amount of recursion in that deck is yep. is nutty. Uh, between, like, Luminous Puma, Apuparu, uh, Minfilia, mm-hmm. you could possibly be staring, and Miner. You could possibly be staring down like six copies of Veritas in a game, even though they only. And, and the only one. reason I put Earth Wind over Mono Earth with Veritas in it is because they get to have Diabolos as well. Yeah, I mean, and also like you get into this loop too in that deck where it's like you play Galdus and Luminous Puma, you, you break Luminous Puma, you get back your Veritas, you then like, your Galdus dies, you get Luminous Puma back, and then you get into this like stupid. Almost similar to like the minor, play the minor, that kind of loop, but you're getting yep. back Veritas, and you're just like, mm-hmm. sure, you can kill my first three Veritases, but how about the next three? Exactly. No, no one plays around Veritas four, five, and six. So, I mean, uh, granted, they do have to be a little ahead to be able to get in that position to be able to do those sure. things, but it just snowballs the game out of reach but, for the opponent. But that's also kind of what Earthwind does already. You know, they they kind of play this loopy game, and you're still getting all the same value cards that you've always had: your Cecils, your Dotalumas, your Noctuses. Except now you've got a bigger threat that can because that's the problem. You know, again, this is a deck that wants to set up, and once it gets set up, it just kind of steamrolls you. So if you try to, you know, if you try to, you know, outrun the steamroller, this guy just comes and just says no. Yeah, and I I think um, people. I mean, people expected Veritas. Like a lot of people I talked to knew it was coming. Like it was no secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not a lot of people played to tech for the card. Most people were just like, I'm just going to put it in my deck. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, I saw a few people having Fenrir's and stuff in their list, but mm-hmm. not much Unit H or anything like that was being played to really like kind of mess with them even more. Yeah. Uh, now, Unit H was there, but just not in like... like I felt like more people were playing Veritas than teching for it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like A lot yeah, more no, people... Absolutely. I think a lot more people were playing Veritas than were teching for it. Oh, 100%. Uh, I think the big the big surprise to me, not to go too far back into the, the Crystal Cup, but like mm-hmm. only I, I believe in the top cut, there was three copies of Yuri across all 32 decks. Yeah, well, I'm actually glad you said that because that, that kind of segues into the next half of this topic. Do you think uh, Do you think Veritas, that was actually a perfect segue, do you think Veritas either, do you think he like he's become the Yuri of Opus 8? Does Yuri just kind of take a back seat to this time? Does does Veritas just say you're riding bitch this season, or... Oh, no, I think they're going to argue over that uh, steered wheel. But uh, <laughs> but I think, like, 
I think Veritas right now is the flavor for sure. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. he's a lot easier to counter than Yuri. Yuri was just like, oh, I'm just going to play removal to hit Yuri. But Yuri just has so many dump stays that he does. But there are there are pretty legit counters to Veritas. Also, Veritas costs six, not four. Um, so I think there's counters to both, to be honest. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't think they're like the end all be all. And I do think going forward, if you're going to be playing Veritas, you need to be careful that people are going to play pretty hard counters to you. And and they do yep. exist, so one hundred percent. Yeah, and and uh, it's the same with Death Machine. Like Death Machine did some work, uh, but it's a card that's going to be easily answered if people really, really want to tech for it. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, and, and I think I think you're gonna you know you still decks like like Mono Wind still have hard answers for both of those uh, cards. And like, going back to that uh, the Gant Grand Open, you know. Some of the cards that you would, you know, we would question because I think when we first saw that list, we we're like, "Wow, Shara, three Barbarishas." Then when you think about it, you're just like, "Barbarisha Shara, kill the Veritas." Yeah, I'll sack this Shara. She's done her job, yep. and you're in a much better place because now you've got if you got Maria out, you got this on curve body that's going to threaten the swing, you know, and it's backed up by Diabolos and all that, all the other wind tricks. So, there, like, you, like you were saying, there are ways to to build your deck to where this card doesn't just brick wall you. Mm-hmm. And I think what needs to happen is, is you know, decks are going to have to start kind of thinking. When I say thinking outside the box, they're just going to have to start making card choices. And this is where like the game of chess comes in. Like if you're a mono Earth player or you're you're playing yellow cards, you're going to have to seriously consider Fenrir moving forward. Mm-hmm. And but now the question is, what do you take out for it? Do you run less Hecaton chairs? Do you run less fight spells? Do you drop that one copy of Titan you were playing? Do you go down to two cockatrice? Do you cut a forward and just say we're playing this other this other summon because Veritas is that important? Um, you know, there's there's a, you know in Mono Wind, um, you know another card that was in the Gent Open deck was Moogle, the four CP Moogle. That you know that's a great one to play. Get a card, and if they play Veritas, you select that, then you draw another card off of it, or you know that's something you play for the exit trigger, or you know whatever, like. You can have cards that can, you can use to value Veritas, but the thing is, too, like a smart player is not going to play a Veritas on a board where your opponent has like a bunch of Vikings and shit out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think there are cards that you know, and I do think I do think you're going to see, be seeing a lot more of Una H. Mm-hmm. You know, just just because of where the the you know just because of where Veritas is at right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and and I mean, like the better players are going to start teching for it, but. The better players are also going to probably continue to play it too. It, it, oh, yeah. it is that good of a card, mm-hmm. um, but I'm just it. It. I don't think it's going to be the the tank that it was this weekend, this past weekend. Going so, forward, yeah, so we think it, it'll kind of start to derail. I do think like because I think right now like the mindset is, hey, what deck are we playing? Hey, can we fit two Veritas in there? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, or or at least one. And if you have a deck that's you know, they can search it, you know, with like Camelot, you're fine with just using one because you can search it and recur it, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Or you jam two or three and just see where it gets you in testing. And if two's the magic number, you play two. If three felt really good, which it often does, run three. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm a big proponent of two. Yeah, uh, I think two's good because it can get clunky, especially if you... Because I have the same problem with, like, it was like with Yuri, right? There's nothing worse than drawing all three Yuris, like, in the beginning. You're just like, well, shit, what do I do with this? Yeah, I think I still. I think I would still run three Yuri though. Oh, one hundred percent. But I think two Veritas is enough. Like, I mean, I, I'm never gonna argue against someone that runs three because if you could play all three in a game, man, you, you it, probably just win. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't know. I've, I've had really a lot of success with just playing two. And I think, I think two's a clean number, and that's just kind of what, and that's also what I'm messing with right now. But you know, it, it's gonna be interesting to see. I do think it will taper off as the as the meta kind of evolves around it like this this is a, this is this is a meta defining card it's a meta shaping oh, card 100 percent. So, yeah. so you're going to start seeing decks that you know and who knows maybe that that una mill deck from the masters event maybe that was just a hard like big brain like you know what i don't want that guy to have the cards in his deck to get the value out of that so you just kind of buzzsaw him you know what i mean yeah and turns out light una is also a pretty okay answer to veritas you're like yeah i'll sack that yeah, I'll sack it again. I'll get it back. You know what I mean? Like you have, you 
when you have a card like Light Yuna, you don't have three copies in your deck. You ha- you have like nine or ten or twelve. Yep. You know what I mean? So when when you when you can t- when you can take away a card's value, you just kind of hard counter it if that makes sense. And that's just you know, and I feel like there are cards that are going to start doing that, and people are going to start thinking out of the box. So maybe we'll see something. You know, a- as the meta progresses, maybe Ver- you know people will start shying away from Veritas, and maybe a card like Yuri will come back, or who knows, Light Yuna may be the the card choice of the month coming up here soon. Um, you just never know. Or water goes back. It just because of this because of the way this game is and just how how balanced it is, it, it could change on a dime. Like I know what Portland uh, Portland's the next Crystal Cup, if I'm not mistaken, the Water Crystal Cup. Yeah, about a month from now. It could be completely different. Yeah, I mean, I expect to see Veritas there, mm-hmm. uh, and everybody should. But mm-hmm. yeah, I also expect to see people trying to hard counter him. Yeah. Like who knows? I'm I'm excited the way Opus Eight is shaped up. Um, you know, I'm you know again another huge congratulations to Greg Cole and Colin Rupert. Uh, both kind of, both kind of achieving their dreams from you know last season, and really proud to see them go. You know, see that happen. Yeah, and, and Hunter and Allen too. Oh yeah, that's right. Hunter's already back on the national stage. I forgot. Yeah, those guys already qualified for Nats. So, you know. And I'm sure I don't. I don't expect to see Hunter not show up to certain events. I know he's going to be very interested in going to the draft one, so yeah. we definitely expect to see him at those. I think he's still trying to get the world spot, so I think he's going to oh, be of out course, there. Yeah. of course. You definitely want to be. You definitely want to be a two-time, you know, world's representative player because you know he's all. He also made top eight last year too, which is farther than any other North American player has gotten it on the world stage in the last couple of years. So there's always that. Yep. But. With that being said, man, I'm excited to see where Opus 8 is, um, you know, going to go. Uh, Tampa was a lot of fun. Big shout-outs to everybody. Like, the hardest part of these events is coming home. Um, I love getting able to, you know, just getting the chance to hang out with these guys. You know, the hotel lobby drafts, um, over $40 worth of Four loco. Adam, what the fuck were we thinking? Yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't drink any of that, so you tell me. Cody, Cody, you're, a ter- <laughs> you're the greatest bad influence I've ever had in my life, and uh, I love it. I saw that, and I was like, that looks like death. Oh no! But you know what the big crime is? I never got to eat that Three Musketeers bar I bought. I left it in the fridge in the hotel. <laughs> so pissed, and I didn't realize it until I got home last night. I was so mad. At least you didn't so leave your mad. laptop. Do what? <laughs> At least you didn't leave your laptop. Yeah, no shit. We we all Adam, look, we all forgot things. I think my Three Musketeers is more important than your fourteen hundred dollar laptop. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say no. But all right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, dude, just just the dinners, the social aspect of it. You know, I love I love the fact that we were all just staying in that hotel, so we would just run into each other in the lobby. We'd just go hang out in each other's hotel rooms. Um, you know, the dinners over at Gators, dude. Some of the some of the best wings I've ever had, and the the, the two for one beers, man. Just a just a really great experience, man. Like, the fact that the shop was hospitality, just just the hospitality there all weekend was great. Yeah, for sure. I can't wait yeah. to go back, and I can't wait to do it again. So. Uh, it's it's you know I look forward to it, man. The the, the waiting is going to be the hardest part, yeah. but you know, but we get to talk to these guys every day. You know, and we got an event that we're going to this weekend as well. Plus, we're you know, while we didn't get to see the Jersey Boys last week, uh, John Schreiner and his buddy Alex, or uh, who's uh, in top sixteen of the Boston Crystal Cup last year, will be coming down because we have a uh, there's a Winnebox event, uh, the Gashel Greens uh, Cup at Jersey's on this Saturday coming up. Uh, April 20th, April 20th, 420th. I'm too old to be making those kinds of jokes, but you're also too old to be making $20 worth of four locos, but all right. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Turns out you, you, you bring up an interesting point, but, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll still get to hang out with some guys we don't normally get to hang out with and we're all going to go jam some cards and you know, it's just going to be a lot of fun and I can't wait to see everybody again. Um, I also thank uh, the the Meta Potion guys for the the birthday wishes. Apparently, the torch has been passed, uh, unbeknownst to me, and I, I was I was not ready for that, Adam. I was not ready for the uh, the, the birthday uh, the restaurant dessert. Yeah, that's pretty funny, dude. It made me wonder why Oki was like, Chris, would you ever hate me? What kind of question is that, you asshole? No, I would never hate you. In fact, I love you even more for asking. But now I know why. Now I, I, I see. I saw right through. I, I didn't see through the snake oil. Now I do. <laughs> now I see it. But it was a great time. I can't wait to do it again. Adam, do you have any parting thoughts for today? 
no, just see everybody in Richmond for the next one yeah. that we're streaming. So absolutely, um, you know, and again, big thanks to you know to Square Enix and RB for you know giving us the opportunity to do this. Um, it was a lot of fun. I definitely think this season at these major events. I'd, I'd much rather find myself in the booth. I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely want one of those LQ trophies, and I'd love the chance to play at Nats. But if being in the booth for Nats and Worlds is on the table, I would most certainly love that opportunity, and it'd be a very humbling and just fantastic experience for us to be a part of that. Perfect. You know, even in conjunction, you know, in conjunction with you know, you know, the break zones kind of made their name, you know, on the commentary so or on the streaming and commentary side of things. So it'd be, I'd love to have the chance to, you know, work in collaboration with those guys for the two biggest events in North America. Um, you know, so I, I just can't thank everybody enough for, you know, just tuning in and just you know, letting us do our thing and just having a good time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, that being said, we will see everyone next week. Thanks for tuning in. See you later. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening once again to the RVA Returners podcast. If you like this content and you want to hear more, check us out on YouTube at RVA Returners. And make sure you follow us on SoundCloud and check us out on Google Play and iTunes. Bye.